Well, hello, everybody. This is Lina Orlando, and welcome to another one of my interviews with really interesting, fascinating people who, are, who just like you, just like me, are on a spiritual journey. And today, my guest is Sean Stone, and he acted and wrote the movie Fury of the, F of the Fist. He also um, authored a novel that you can find on Audible called Desiderata by Ali. And soon he's going to be doing some interviews on uh, a podcast interviews on Vocal Now. So, Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. This is really exciting for me because I am. Um, even though I don't know you, I got to know a little bit about you by watching an interview that you did with Sean Stone, who is somebody that I absolutely just totally adore. And I was so Sasha impressed. Stone. Sasha Stone, <laughs> yes. Not your brother, I, I take it. <laughs> uh, no, you said in the interview I did with Sean Stone, which was oh, like Sean. A, You're Sean a Stone. Freudian, a Freudian yes, slip, yes. I was thinking. Yes, yes. I was interviewing you, myself. <laughs> You're Sean Stone with Sasha Stone. And I was just so impressed by what you were saying because it, you know, you were speaking to the the sovereign being that is inside of us that that we are, and I just felt that there was such a depth to your share that I thought it would be a lot of fun to have a conversation with you about what what does it mean to you that we are sovereign beings? Well, let's just start with that. Well. Absolutely. I mean, actually, uh, I'd pose it back to you even before getting deeper into it. Um, what is it like? Why does it attract? What is it interesting? What is it interesting to you that that is the sovereign nature of being itself? Like, you know, even before going into that question of what it is to be a sovereign being, like, why? Why does it interest you uh, as a soul? What do you think? Yes. Well, it interests me because through my my own awakening, I've come to know that as the, the truth of who I am, that what I am is the, the nature of consciousness expressing itself specifically as me, individually as me, as you, as, as everything and, and all that is. So in the recognition of that as the essence of my being, it has brought me to the recognition that my sovereignty is my ability to align with that level of power and not only to use it to access it to align with it responsibly but also to at the same time surrender to it so it's kind of a a beautiful for me paradox but that sovereignty is is the all that isness expressing as this little point um, of awareness as Lina. And that's that's what fascinates me about the conversation is to be able to, how do we talk about something that is that allness, but at the same time as being this isness? Precisely. So the thing that uh, I think humans have to understand is that throughout our modern history, our stories have, been, have begun our history really has begun with the tellings of the Babylonian Sumerian texts, for example, right? And the lineage of humans as descended from the Anunnaki, the starborn uh, royal bloodlines. And since that time, uh, the understanding of the human has been that of a, a slave, essentially, that which was created by this Lord, God, creator that was outside and other and separate from and creates human as sort of uh, in the Anunnaki tradition, I'm sorry, the Sumerian tradition, as a sort of servant to idolize and to adore and worship. And that tradition gets carried through the Judaic 
traditions in the Western world, uh, mm -hmm. the Hindu traditions, the East perhaps, um, into that notion of serving God outside of worship, working for, actually worship means working for, uh, a God outside of ourselves, a Lord um, outside of ourselves. And it was more benevolent in the Jewish tradition than it was in the Sumerian, for example, once uh, the, the God had, Lord God had wiped out the planet, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> and said, we're going to, you know, murder all of these these humans, uh, where we're going to allow one, you know, uh, one human to survive and perpetuate the lineage somehow. And so since that time, we've been working through this consciousness of what it is to be uh, a human that is born from uh, a sense of, of sin, a sense that we are a fallen being, which is actually the essence of the Catholic interpretation, right? The idea that we're yeah. born from the sin of Adam, that we are essentially a flawed being, that we are uh, indebted to this creator that is perfect and we are something imperfect. That whole ideology, that strain of ideology is not to say that's the only ideology. There are many Christians and Jews and Hindus, Muslims, every religion and, and others, you know, free thinkers who have deviated from the maybe the more dogmatic interpretation and start to recognize that we are made in the image of God, which is to say a reflection of creation. We are in that sense, a perfect reflection of creation yeah. um, and perfection. People don't understand perfection does not mean um, that we are no, we, that we are, how do you say, that we can do no wrong. Perfection means that everything has a logical consequence in the yes. world. So and, and that's a beautiful. Thank you for saying that because yeah. that is that gives people permission to be more who they are and not yeah. achieving this level of perfection that's been created by by others. Yeah. So you know, a perfection is like saying, well, if I eat sugar every day, um, the consequence will be I'll be toxifying my body because sugar is not really healthy for my system, and if I'm eating it every day excessively, it's going to have a, a logical consequence in my body. That's perfection, you see. It's yeah. not to say perfection, again, it's not, you know, oh, I can do no wrong if I, you know, if I murder someone, that's still perfect. I mean, that's that's the insane aspects of people that want to claim, you know, I am a god, I can do whatever I want, I can hurt people, and I have there's no consequence to it. Well, that's the dark side of it, because that's egoic. Whereas understanding perfection is simply everything has consequence, whether yeah. it's from the thought, we thought that, you know, going back to the Zoroastrian, the Buddhist understanding, like, you know, beginning with thoughts, right thoughts, right, right words, right actions, right deeds. It's, this is the nature of reality that we are in this realm, at least experience, is that there's a consequence to our thoughts. There's a consequence to our actions. So as we become sovereign, which is to say humans that have been treated as slaves, have treated themselves as slaves, have really um, not understood the power of what it is to be human, also from the spiritual understanding that we have this energy that flows through us, that is consciousness, that is a living existence, an eminence, uh, the ilan vital, if you want to call it that, that moves through this, this world and animates it. We are becoming more and more connected to that, becoming more aware, spiritually connected to it, and as such, it's not to say that we weren't in the past connected to it, but like we are becoming aware of this power, this force that runs through existence. And what do we do with that force? Yeah. That's the next evolution of 
consciousness. Yeah, let's talk about that because that that is so evident today that we are waking up from this this enslavement into this very very narrow idea of who we are. Um, share more because I also read a little bit about you being a you know a historian. I guess that's that's your your background, and so you you bring a history to as you were talking about how we have fallen into this idea of just being servants. Say more as to what is happening right now that is in from your perspective that is giving us an opportunity not only to become more aware of th this amazing power that sovereignty that that we have and how do we claim that in the middle of still operating inside of this illusion of of being a servant because we really have been servants to the system yes yes so how do we claim our sovereignty it's, it begins within ourselves. It really begins within ourselves understanding, I am, I am, without label, without identification, without need to um, externalize the value, to recognize that I am. This living presence, this living awareness, consciousness. And what I am is so much greater than any other person can fully grasp. No one can know exactly all the things within me, but even within myself, I don't know all the worlds. And this is something that I really explored within my Desiderata uh, book, which is now on Audible. People can listen to it, this epic journey into the various manifestations of our existence and how we are just this essence of consciousness uh, siphoned off you know, from the great river of the great ocean of consciousness you know, siphoned off into this stream to, to basically have this journey and this voyage. Um, but the more that we can, through this journey, recognize that I am still an extension of the totality and a reflection of the totality, mm -hmm. then I begin to re-empower myself. And this is the essence what kids have always, someone reminded me, He-Man, Masters of the Universe, was a show, a TV series, a toy line, based on this one thing that kids always said they love this concept i have the power yeah. every child wants to feel that i have the power because we live in a world that since you're a child disempowers the child exactly. tells you you're the child you're the grown up yeah. obey me do what i tell you and the child feels disempowered and from that moment from feeling mm -hmm. disempowered and weakness and helpless as opposed to a society that we healthy and say we honor the child you are the future we love you we we are here to support you Right? That's the healthy way of, of empowering a child. We yeah. oftentimes disempower the children because adults are working through their own issues, their own psychological frustrations, their own inner child abuse that was, was within them as children. They're working through upon their children. So you end up with this disempowerment carried from seed, from lineage, from father to son, mother to daughter, disempower, disempower psychologically the child picking up that 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 vibration of the parents frustration that they are not empowered so the sovereign says i have the power and the power is not the old construction conception of power is i can control the world i can make it quake i can you know bring ruin and famine <laughs> and tears that's not the power we speak of the power we speak of is spiritual understanding that we are an essential 
emanation of creation. We are here with purpose for, for a reason. We are here to bring more connection, more life yeah. into existence. That is what power is about. Power is about, is, to me, it's like power, the greatest power is when you are loved and when you are able to share love because that creates uh, a circle and a reciprocity mm-hmm. to action, right? Who wants to, who wants to work with you as opposed to for you? You know, it's like, you have the money, great, that's a false power because as, as soon as you don't have that money anymore, everyone's gonna flee you. Look at the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. Look at anyone that was, you know, an unliked person. As soon as they lost that illusion, everyone <laughs> turned on them. So they had no power. Yeah. Whereas the people with power are the ones that people love them so that, you know, the Kennedys of the world, right? When he's killed, people say, I want to stand, you know, by you, Martin Luther King. I want to represent you and, and carry on your, your lineage and carry on your lineage of thoughts and ideas and words. That's, that's power. That's what yeah. power looks like. It's love. It's not fear. Exactly, because it, it is. Uh, I'm a student of the Course in Miracles, and and it, it's just been a, a phenomenal uh, teaching for me. Because it is, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Jesus is channeling that information through a woman, um, Helen Shuckman, and the the message is, I am going to teach you. Uh, through this book, what I came to say 2000 years ago, but it got distorted through, you know, the way religion interpreted. But bottom line, the teachings of A Course in Miracles that, that Jesus, the consciousness known as Jesus is sharing is that our purpose is to extend love. And the the reason that there is another is for the giving and receiving for that loop to be completed for one to give one to receive but in the giving and receiving, uh, it also happens individually. I, as I give you, I receive the joy of that. As you receive it, you give back the the gratitude of that, and and it completes a um, like a circuit. And when we all operate from that level, then we're all operating as bringers to the planet, not as takers, not as as needing to, like you said, look for another source of power to make you feel better or complete but rather you recognize that the power is already in you and this this is what my own personal experience has brought me to experience but i did have to give up my illusory idea that my power was in what i did or my money or my status or my husband or whatever that was um to come back and find allow for that power in me to to flourish to blossom to heck i even i had to make to spend many many years cultivating a relationship with what was so foreign to me. I had no idea I had that much love and that much goodness inside of me until I began to recognize that external things were going away and I was being left more and more and more alone with me and uh, nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, but inside. Say say more about that power, that sovereignty that we have and how how can we tap into that? How did you tap into that um, as your lived experience? It's a returning. It's a returning uh, to the inner knowing and the, the ancient wisdom that we carry within our souls. Um, as you say, you start to write, well, I mean, I was fortunate enough since childhood. Um, I was given, I was born as a prince in a sense, right? I was given like Siddhartha. I felt very much as I grew, I, I resonate with the Siddhartha story because it's like when you are when you have material comfort, right? You have a certain level of material comfort. I'm not saying that, you know, 
I was like flying around on private jets and, you know, owning islands or something. But like, you know, you have a sense of, okay, you know, I can, I can get what I want. My, 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 not only my needs are met, but, but most of my wants, you know, as a child are met. Um, uh, and there's a privilege and, and comfort, but then culture, you know, I was given the opportunity to have a great education to, uh, study history, to travel the world, to see different cultures and interact with people from all races and places and backgrounds and not all, but, you know, many. And, uh, and so it was like this, this understanding of the contrast of reality, you know, that was really, I think the key is that I was given at one level, the material ability to say, okay, you don't have to you know, focus your energy on, on working every day to, to pay a, a rent or to pay for food because that's there, that's taken care of. So now you can focus your energy on the spiritual side to the, the bigger questions, you can philosophize, you can take your time to explore. And so I took advantage of that. You know, I didn't fall into the material trap of Los Angeles, thankfully, um, because I wasn't interested by that culture. It was something I, I recognized at a core, I think at a, at a level of my soul was repulsed by. Mm. It was repulsed by the sort of uh, vapidness of the hedonism I think that you could say about the, uh, the the Hollywood culture, the idea of you know celebrity worship, the idea of yeah. uh, you know this cult of fame, this you know, and then you see like people are you know so drug addled essentially because they they are looking for something substantial and they can't find it, so they turn to every kind of drug to sort of uh, check them out, <laughs> as opposed to deepening into who they really are, which is mm -hmm. not this illusion i mean that's why you see the justin bieber's of the world you know power to him i think he found something with god and relationship to religion right that helped him at a time when he he saw the same kind of stuff and i'm not just him i mean many celebrities like that i believe kanye and others i'm sure like have yeah. had those moments where it's like i was just so lost by the illusion of this is what you want in life because we're sold in a material culture that oh i want the car, you know, I want the sports car, I want the expensive, you know, watch, I want the chains and jewelry. And then, you know, obviously the, you know, the attractive, uh, you know, women around me and parties and, and yeah. it's like all that just, it doesn't satisfy inside of you. It makes you feel more and more empty. Exactly. And so the sooner you recognize that and break out of it and then it's like, okay, well then where does that spiritual quest take you? You know, does it take you to Kundalini yoga like Russell Brand? Does it take you to, um, you know, the church, like, you know, like Kanye and Justin Bieber and others. I mean, where is it going to go? And so for me, it's like an ever deepening conception of, of self because my soul is ancient. And I recognize that more and more that I, I, I'm simply going to speak that truth. I'm not going to speak to the singular dimensionality of existence. I'm going to speak to the multidimensionality because that's what I know. and I've lived it. And my first film, Greystone Park, was about that. Greystone was a mental hospital in Jersey that we used to break into and explore to challenge our energy body. Because when you start to deal with the supernatural and things that are impossible from like the rational conception mm -hmm. of reality, you start to realize, wow, there's many dimensions that are working here. Then you start to really become like a Jedi. You have to start to battle energetically and realize, okay, psh, let me tune into that, to that, which is the invisible realm that surrounds me. And um, yeah. this is the journey that I've, I guess, been cultivating as one aspect and expression of, of who I am throughout the last uh, dozen or so years. I love that. I love that because tapping into that multidimensional aspect of ourselves is is definitely 
something that's a little bit more recent for me. I um I had an encounter in 2007. I call it an encounter of the best kind, where I I just felt myself as one with all that is, and and experienced that this unbelievable love that I cannot describe. But I felt not only myself as one with it, it as all that I am, and and all all that is being me. So it was it was just an amazing totally blow your mind kind of an experience and then of course my ego mind reassembled and then i had to to do the 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 work of of uh questioning those beliefs because now i had something to contrast them with and and nothing of this world was satisfying compared to that experience and it it's taken me quite a while to to feel that that i can totally not only accept that but walk that talk, live from that space of understanding my multidimensional self. But let's talk a little bit about that because here we are in this world where the majority of the people not only do not know that we're sovereign, not only do not do they not know um, as, a, as a majority of the population that we are the essence of the incarnated Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, whatever you want to call it, but we are also multidimensional. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done into accepting that we're that grand and then to really expand into those multidimensional levels. So actually I've got, I guess, two, two areas I would like to get your perspective on. Um, to live as that now, as that, that sovereign, essence of the, the Christ consciousness, that's one thing. And then later on, let's talk about how how do you live with that knowledge of your multidimensional self here on this plane? Mm -hmm. um, so the first question is what? So how how do you, how does one um, what what would life look like if we were embodying that Christ consciousness? just walking that talk, what would that look like today? Um, as a society, as a planet? As a society, yes. On the planet, <laughs> this planet. It's difficult to visualize um, the, the new earth that I feel is coming, yeah. that uh, we are sort of harbingers of, we are seeding. Um, because it's like, how do you say, it would be, it would be like uh, Rumi talking about the, the ships, the airships that were, you know, of the future, right? The space, the, that are now flying machines, you know, planes and things like this. I think that maybe the UFO phenomenon is maybe the best place to understand, to look. Mm -hmm. That people really want to understand what the new earth is about, should look towards uh, some of the lore around the... Uh, UFO technologies, how it's tied to consciousness, the idea that you can travel through um, space-time dimensionally based more, more on consciousness and attention. And once you have an idea, like you move in that direction, as opposed to having to steer and the old ideas of um, what Tesla described as sort of this masculine explosive energy that we use for our ships, you know, rockets are blasting off. That's a, <laughs> basically a great phallic worship. Whereas yeah. uh, most of the the uh, future-oriented technology is, is feminine. It's more um, 
you could say yin, it's uh, the energy flows back into itself, uh, like vortices, for example, right, in, in waters and systems of water where the, the fish can go upstream, like, and uh, what was his name? There was a German um, scientist who was studying this back in the 30s and understanding, like, you know, again, like these, this vortical energy and how when you can create that, that's really what allows that, that kind of motion against gravity, though, the anti-gravity, for example. Um, so when we, when we talk about what that consciousness uh, would look like in our society, to me, it's, it's being able to see as things are so that, for example, we're not, we can dispel the illusions, we can dispel the manipulation. It would just be seeing through the facade that people put on. That, for me, I know has been hard in my life because I feel like I come from a place where you can see uh, in the exterior a manifestation of the interior, right? So the beauty inside manifests outside. It was like a glow. It was, uh, you could literally see the auric energies. You could see it yeah. in the physical manifestation. We live in a world that's been inverted. So many of the, the darkest things appear as the most beautiful, right? Or most vapid things appear as the most beautiful. So uh, we have this sort of illusion of like luxury and yet it doesn't show you the, the, the supply chain that brought that luxury, mm -hmm. whether it was enslaving, enslaving people or paying them obviously like you know, nothing basically. So some someone can make huge profits on selling you on the idea of here, buy this home, you know, it's overvalued for a hundred million dollars or something. And, you know, buy this car for millions of dollars, buy this watch for this and that and the other, buy diamonds, diamonds, you know, diamonds made from the you know blood of some some african mining them um yeah. millions of dollars thousands of dollars millions of dollars it's like this, this that's the that's the illusion you see that we don't see in the object itself all the blood and pain and misery that brought that thing into existence we don't see in the face of someone on the television screen the twisting and tearing of their body to make them appear you know pretty and it's like how much you know you name it surgery and Botox and this and that and the other, the chemicals and the dyes involved and like how the chemicals that you're putting on with your perfumes, it's like it's coming from, it's basically, it's toxic. It's probably, it's probably bad for your system, but even the creation of those chemicals and those dyes and other things are tearing at the earth and it's destroying the natural processes, or at least it's affecting the natural processes that in ways that are going to come back to us in the water, in the, in the soil, in the air. I mean, this is the point. We have to dispel the illusion of gloss in order to see how much suffering and toil has been has been the cost, the actual real cost. Not the yeah. you know, that's a hidden cost right now, right? War is the hidden cost of our economy. It's like when you have the Christ consciousness, you realize, okay, it's not worth it. There are ways of having beauty and elegance and you know healthy organic products and healthy exchange of value and goods that at least honors humans in the making of it and the bringing it to you it honors the earth in the process of production it's like even uh you know the slaughter of animals it's like i'm not a vegan i think that the, the animals are here everything in the food chain serves a purpose and if yeah. the cow wasn't eaten by the human the cow would be eaten by the lion so I'm not going to have remorse for that, but I can honor the cow. I can honor the buffalo. I can honor the animal as opposed to treating it as we do now with these factories farming where it's just yeah. mass produced. Freedom, like 
treat them like, you know, when you say treat them like dogs, right? Just, you know, abuse them yeah. and scare them and torture them and kill them. That's antithetical. You see, this is all a satanic consciousness mm -hmm. that has come over us that doesn't have empathy. Empathy for everything from the earth to the animal to the other human. And that's yeah, no, the basis to the Christ No reverence. Yeah, no reverence, no reverence. I grew up in the Dominican Republic and we, my family had um, cattle and, and farms and I grew up watching in, in our backyard is where they would slaughter a, a calf or, or a chicken or a, a hog. And it was never done with anything less than reverence. I mean, that was gonna be the sustenance that we were going to have. So even as little girls, I've got three sisters, the four of us would be running around playing right next to where a, a cow is, you know, a calf is losing its life, but it was never, it, there was never anything ugly or malicious about it. And then coming to the U.S. when I was 14, and now at that time, I didn't know what was happening in the slaughterhouses. That's something that I've learned, you know, more more in my adult life. It was absolutely shocking because I assumed everything was as as uh, reverent as is it. I experienced it, but it, it's not the case here. So we've lost our ability to have respect for others because clearly we don't understand the the who we are, what we are, the consciousness, the essence of who we are. So how, how, in from your perspective, does as a humanity, we, we um, can get to that. Clearly we have lots of opportunities right now for the, the, the illusion that is breaking apart. That is this veil that is becoming thinner, but what are your, right. your suggestions for people who are watching this to, to come and use this as an opportunity to connect yes. with that Christ consciousness? Right. Well, that's the point. See, if we can see that all things are an emanation of creation, we can honor everything, and most importantly, starting with ourselves. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily honor ourselves. We don't love ourselves. And because we don't have that self-love, we feel this incompleteness. We feel this uh, lack. And so we go out into the world to try to prove ourselves to the world. And this is the formation of this entire generation of conquest, success, external validation, you know, uh, material desires, all this. It's, it begins with the self. It begins with coming in and saying, wait, I am, again, a reflection, an emanation, a manifestation of perfect creation. And as I love myself, so I love and treat others. We have to get past this illusion that the ant is not important, is less important than I am. That the, uh, you know, it's like on society, that the uh, celebrity is more important than I am. That the uh, police officer deserves more respect than I do. All this has to go so that we can shift to the place of saying all living things have equal value in the eyes of creation. Maybe not in my eyes, maybe in my eyes, yeah, you know what, the ant doesn't have value. But in the eyes of creation, the human doesn't have more priority because the human can't be here without those other things. Without those other living beings, the human can't exist. And this is where people are, are not realizing the deception that they're being, they've been played by a satanic system that in some ways 
wants to trick, trap, fool, cajole, and ultimately hoodwink and ultimately protect, you know, enslave, if not destroy humanity. Because the only thing that's dying is humans. You know, we think that the earth is dying. The earth's not going to die. The earth doesn't need <laughs> up. The earth is going to be fine. The earth is like the point that you can't survive here, guys. You leave. The earth will stick around. We will leave. So we need to start to recognize that all things in creation have equal importance for the purpose of getting us to this place, which is billions of years, if you want to call it evolution, conscious evolution, I would say, billions of years of processes to bring us to this moment. Wow. Respect for this universe, for the powers of creation to get us here. What is this ego that puts us in opposition to creation and to nature and to each other? When we recognize, my goodness, how much time and effort and energy to progress us to this moment of now. That is a humbling experience. Even if you don't believe in God, it should be humbling to recognize the billions of years of energy it took to bring you to this moment and to then bow you to that place of saying, wow, in my love of self, I also humble myself because that is the true power, is humility. And being able to say, this, this life that surrounds me, this will carry on. And every artist has ever, you know, Tolstoy dealt with this. Everyone that ever thought that, oh, success in the physical world, that's the pinnacle, that's what matters. He's like, no, I may have made my mark, but who's to say my books or my ideas are gonna last past 100 years or 200 years or millennium? Mm -hmm. I mean, who's to say that these ideas are gonna carry on? You know, it's like creation is gonna continue. What am I just a drop of water in that? Let me now recognize and honor that ocean. It, it, yes, what you're saying is definitely, I, I recognize that in my own journey, having to humble myself and, and realize the, the, the magnificence of this incredible playground that has been created, you know, manifested specifically so that life can, can thrive because everything that I see that is of nature is designed to to coexist in a way that all beings, everything could thrive. Um, how would you, what is your suggestion in the middle of what we are in right now, the pandemics, the riots, the, the corruption and all of that craziness, how would you suggest to somebody to begin to, to question and to get curious about what else is there when they're in, in fear, in terror, in, in a state of, of um, believing that, you know, maybe um, they, they may not have enough money for, for next week. They may not have a job. They may not have medicine. They may not have what they need. What are some of your thoughts? You know, honestly, it's what I, I, I've said at the beginning, even before the pandemic, you have to literally go to that place of humility. You have to go to that place that all the religions have talked about, where it is you literally drop down and say, I can't go any further because the power was never me, the small me. It was always the sovereign. It was always the creation, was a creation that was carrying me. And so long as my little ego believed I was the one doing all this, then yes, you know what? It's, it's going to be a, a perpetual uh, struggle. You'll never, you'll never get where you need to go. As soon as you can actually just surrender to the force of creation and humble yourself, then now you can let creation carry you in wherever that may be. It, it's not necessarily what you envisioned or what you thought it looked like. 
But again, what you thought was based on belief patterns and systems of indoctrination since you were a child that were oftentimes inherently false or inherently contradictory to the evolution of life. That is the real life of the earth, the universe, the stars, the, the galaxies, everything that we are we're working with, not against. Absolutely. I'm so glad that, that you said what you said. What a great way to, to kind of wrap up our conversation. Um, would you mind just sharing one one tidbit, one one bit of wisdom to leave folks with from your perspective as to how could we move into that space of recognizing our sovereignty and, and live from that? Yeah, you know, you already just said something so beautiful, but please add one more nugget. Um, honestly, it's it's it's. I don't even know where to go from here. It's like, you just have to sort of enter the silence. Once, once you, once you listen to the silence, um, then you're starting to actually make, make real progress in the path because the silence carries so much information and wisdom and music and sound, but we don't listen to it enough. Beautiful. Yes. That silence, everything is in that silence. Thank you so much. Um, Sean for being here with me today. I so appreciate it and, and best to you and your endeavors and, and the way that you are inspiring humanity to live from a more authentic self. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's really, it's been a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye.